This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good morning. My name is Titus Schmidt, and uh, I get to share with you this morning. It's an honor and a privilege to serve here at Christian Chapel. I've been the youth pastor for just a couple days short of one year, and it's been an awesome experience. Uh, This church community is incredible. It's been an awesome time seeing your students, seeing your children grow and draw closer to the Lord, and it's just an honor for my wife and I, Rachel, to be a part of it as well. Before I jump into our message this morning, I also just want to thank and honor Pastor Chris. Appreciate your leadership and all that you do for Christian Chapel. So we're very thankful for you. Um, But today I'm going to be talking about empowerment. The title of my sermon is Empowered, the Spirit's Work Within You. In order to demonstrate and exemplify this, This morning, I'm going to be talking specifically about the conversion of Saul, but we're not going to be focusing on Saul particularly, but Ananias, who was instrumental in Saul's conversion, but maybe a character that kind of fades to the background, and I think this is important for us to examine this morning because maybe you feel like, I don't know if I can be used by God, I kind of fade into the background, I'm not necessarily somebody that takes authority, that takes the stage, but we see here through Ananias that you absolutely are going to be used by God and God wants to use you. And oftentimes, it's those that do seem to fade into the background that God chooses to use. Also, disclaimer, this is not the same Ananias. Pastor Critch preached on a couple weeks ago. There is, uh, there is a good Ananias and a bad Ananias. This is the good one, so if you were hoping to name your child Ananias, there's still hope there. Because this is about the good one this morning. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump in. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open with me to Acts chapter 9. We're going to be reading verses 10 through 18. One thing that I love about this story is the person of Ananias was partnering with the Holy Spirit in everything that he was doing, as we will see, really carrying out the Acts 1-8 mandate left by Jesus to his followers to go into all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, a message that I feel so strongly about on this Pentecost Sunday. So I'm going to go ahead and start reading. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. Now, sometimes in chapel youth, I do a little bit of a response time. So I'm going to say Ananias was listening, and I need you to say listening. Ananias was listening. listening. That's what I'm talking about. It's worth noting and it's worth uh, mentioning here that Ananias, the scripture refers to him as a disciple in verse 10. 
In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. According to biblical context, historical context, a disciple would have been somebody that has accepted Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and somebody who's filled with the Holy Spirit. So when we know Ananias is a faithful believer to the way. Again, in Acts chapter 22, as Saul, who then becomes Paul, says in his recount of his conversion story, he talks about Ananias. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. So we know that Ananias is a devout man, well respected in his community, is a disciple of Jesus Christ. He has the Holy Spirit indwelling within him. And this postures himself, this allows him to be in a position to listen for the Holy Spirit. There's three things I want to communicate this morning about this first point of listening. Oftentimes, listening includes a posture, a pause, and a process. A posture, a pause, and a process. Notice how I paused a little bit longer after I said pause. I just threw that in there. I don't know why I mentioned that, but that's where we are. Anyway, posture, pause, and process. Oftentimes when we're listening to things, we're not really listening, we're just hearing them. I have a couple of examples from my own life. I know everybody in here probably has a few as well. Uh, One of those being something that recurred repeatedly when I was growing up in middle and high school. Um, I would chill on the couch after a day at school, flip on the TV. It was probably America's Funniest Home Videos or something like that. Anybody a frequent watcher of that? Now it's not really a thing anymore because we have the internet and YouTube, but That's where I was, and I had my laptop, and I was probably doing homework. I had my smartphone off to the side, and I was probably just shoveling a chicken pot pie down my throat, too, for effect, because I was always eating food as a high schooler, and still am. And uh, my mom came into the living room, and she would say something to the effect of, but for the sake of the example, I'm going to say, hey, Titus, go sweep the kitchen, mop the kitchen. We have guests coming over for dinner tonight. And I would be on my laptop, and yeah, yeah, okay, got it, got it. How many of you guys have been there before? As a child and as a parent, right? Uh, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, no problem, Mom, I got it. An hour would pass by. Hey, Titus, you're going to do that, right? They're coming over in about 30 minutes. I need you to do it quick. Yeah, yeah, Mom, no worry, no worries. And then the third time, you could definitely tell the anger level just by the stomp, at least, with my mom. My mom was definitely the one that brought down the hammer in my house, I'll just say that. And she would come in and say, hey, you haven't cleaned up and you haven't swept, and you haven't mopped the kitchen yet, get to it. And I, in a daze of confusion, would say, what are you talking about, Mom? What's going on? I didn't hear anything that you said earlier. And it was because I was hearing, but I wasn't listening. I didn't posture myself. I was distracted by multiple things. I didn't pause to think about what my mom had said. And I didn't process anything she was saying, obviously. And a second example, which I know nobody has been in here, in this situation before because you all were much better students than I was. I wasn't the worst student. I wasn't like in in in-house suspension every single week, but I wasn't making like the A honor roll. There's a term for that in the middle. It's lukewarm. It's kind of where I was as far as schooling was concerned, right? And so I was over messing around at my lab table, burning stuff with a Bunsen burner. I don't know. We were probably doing some, something stupid like that. And Mr. Aldrich is giving the instructions, and he's a pretty intimidating man. He's got a, just a thick, full mustache, and so that, to me, is super intimidating, I guess. And he's giving the instructions, and about 10 minutes goes by, because we're going to spend the rest of the class period doing the lab, and me and my friends did not hear a word. 
I, as the brave ambassador, head over to his desk and say, hey, Mr. Aldrich, I didn't quite catch those instructions. Could you help me a little bit? And this is like, not the only time, but one of the few times I had been totally scared to death by a teacher. He stands up without saying a word. First of all, I'm already shaken. And he's like, you have no idea what you just did. You have no respect, no. And he started going off for probably legitimately 45 seconds to a minute. And what was I doing in this situation? I was hearing, but not listening. Now the application I want to provide this morning is that to, in order to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, which is the point of this message this morning, the Holy Spirit doesn't just work in you. He works in you to ultimately work through you. In order for that to happen, we have to posture ourselves in positions to hear from the Lord. And how do we do this? We seek his presence daily. Are we in the word? Are we spending time in prayer? Are we spending time in worship? And I'm also speaking to myself in this. How much time am I really dedicating to my relationship to Jesus? How much space am I actually creating for God to speak to me? I think of it through the analogy of eating dinner. When I am approaching the presence of God so he can speak to me because I'm genuinely seeking instruction, wisdom, advice for something that's happening in my life, how am I setting the table? Setting the table for dinner, to put the plate out, the fork, the knife, the napkin, the cup, get all the condiments on the table, cook the dinner, right? Our God, when we approach him for these things in life, he's not a microwave God. He's a God that appreciates our surrender to him in the form of processing, pausing, and posturing. So, if I didn't create space to listen to the Lord, if I didn't create space to allow the Holy Spirit to work through me, we would never be in a space where we're listening. This brings me to my second point. When you hear the voice of God, it always requires a response, and that's obedience. Ananias was obedient. Ananias was what? There we go. We're tracking a little bit there. Verse 13, I'm going to go ahead and reread here. Ananias was obedient. So the Lord just told him what to do, and this is Ananias' response. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go! This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show them how much he must suffer for my name. And the first part of 17 says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. So we see here, Ananias responded ultimately in obedience. But immediate obedience wasn't something we see from the example of Ananias in this story. Ananias was hesitant at first. Sometimes we can apply this to our own lives where we hear the Lord, we've postured ourselves, we've paused, we're processing what he said, and we know what he says, yet the the step of obedience is difficult. I don't know what that situation is in your life. I don't know the different things we're dealing with in in this room this morning, but I do know that there is sometimes a large gap between where you're at from listening and hearing the voice of God to taking that leap of obedience. And we see Ananias immediately again was a little hesitant. Lord, I've heard many reports about this man. We have to understand he has 
every right to be a little hesitant. I know sometimes when we hear the voice of the Lord, we can start to kind of generate excuses. And Ananias does the same thing, and I'm not coming at him because he might have the best excuse that any of us in this room have ever had. Lord, I might die if I go approach Saul. Do you know what he's doing? He's coming from Jerusalem to Damascus to persecute more Christians, and I'm one of them. Now, it's very possible, just to establish a little bit more context here, that Ananias already knew of some people who suffered at the hands of Saul. He was well aware of the full situation. He was well aware of what he was walking into. But when the Lord was persistent and said, Go, this man is my chosen instrument. Right after that, we see Ananias said, Went to the house and entered it. So, although there was this struggle, although there was this tension, Ananias was ultimately obedient. And what we see here is obedience through fear. I'll say that one more time. Obedience through fear. Despite what might lie ahead for Ananias, he knows he heard the voice of God. He knows that because he postured himself, because he paused, because he processed, he had heard what the Lord was speaking to him, and he was going to be obedient, despite the fear that he had. All of us in this room have examples from our life where we've had to respond to obedience despite fear. Uh, Example that came to mind quickest when I was preparing for this message was around the time I was asking Rachel's parents for permission to marry her. How many of y'all have been in that situation before around the room? Just me? Okay, a couple? Yeah, I was terrified, okay? I was fearful. But the conviction that the Holy Spirit put in my heart was to honor her parents in that way. So I remember driving up from Tulsa. I was going to head to Minnesota to hang out with my family. And her family's from Iowa. So I took a little detour to a little town called Oskaloosa. And y'all, hearts beating. I am praying in the spirit <laughs> as I'm driving there. I, my, my palms are sweaty. I probably have my foot on the gas a little bit too much. Actually, I did because I, as I came over a hill, a cop was coming the opposite way. And I was like, oh no. You know, I try to like immediately break. But by then it's too late. We all know. And I saw him in my rear view, whip around, come after me, pull me over. Comes up to my car window and says, hey, you know what I pulled you over for today? I go, yes, sir, I do. I was speeding. He's like, you weren't speeding, you were going 85 and a 55. <laughs> now, the point of the story isn't that I have bad driving habits, because I do, and they've only mildly improved, okay? <laughs> the point of the story is the obedience that I continue to push through in responding to what the Holy Spirit's conviction put on my heart of having that conversation with Rachel's parents despite the trembling fear that I had. And it was good to know because from that moment forward, I knew if I was scared, I was probably going to end up speeding a little bit. And I don't know who this is for in the room this morning, but as I was preparing this point um, as well, the Lord told me to share this morning that sometimes in obedience, it's uncomfortable, just like disobedience can be comfortable. So obedience can be uncomfortable just like disobedience can be comfortable. I don't know who that is for in the room this morning, but sometimes we think of disobedience as a a bad word, but in this context, disobedience may be the most comfortable thing that we can do. On the other side of Ananias' obedience 
and Saul's conversion to ultimately becoming Paul was thousands, tens of thousands coming to Christ. A lot of our New Testament being written, the gospel continuing to spread. If he would have stopped where he was, he wouldn't have carried through with his obedience. The kingdom mandate could not have been fulfilled. Another example from my life in that, as I relate to Ananias in this point, is this very job transition. About a year ago, a little more than a year ago, I was teaching at a middle school. I was enjoying what I was doing. I loved hanging out with seventh graders. It didn't mean every day was easy. It's seventh grade geography, okay? But I was comfortable where I was at. I knew the material well at that point, or at least I thought I did, all right? I, I liked the principles I worked under. I enjoyed my coworkers. And in that conversation, I had with Pastor Chris and leaving his office and going home to pray with my wife, it became very apparent to us where the Lord was leading us became very apparent to me where I was being led. And initially, I didn't necessarily want to leave where I was currently planted at. I thought the Lord was using me. I thought the Lord really had me in that situation. And as I continued to pray and discern through that, what I came to understand was I was more in a place of comfortability and the Lord was calling me out of into uncomfortability. And Honestly, I, I feared the transition for numerous reasons. That's not the main point I'm trying to drive home this morning. I mean, my flaws would be exposed. There were definitely memories and things that I understood that came with full-time ministry, with growing up in full-time ministry, with my dad and my mom being in it. And so there were certain hesitations, but there was obedience that I knew I was walking into. So just like in Ananias' story, we all could stay where we're at. We could be comfortable. But in this obedience, as we step forward, as we choose to obey the Lord after listening to what he's had for us, the good news is that even though we're stepping out in obedience, and it might be fearful, and it might be uncomfortable, not only is it going to be beneficial to us, but it's going to be beneficial to the people around us, we don't have to do that alone. And that brings me to my, my third and my final point this morning is that Ananias partnered with the Spirit. Ananias partnered with the what? Spirit. There it is. There it is. I'm going to go ahead and read these last couple verses here. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, and he was baptized. Now, we see through this entire story that Ananias was partnering with the Holy Spirit. He postured himself. We know that he was a faithful disciple of Jesus. He was well-respected in his community, so we, we know that he was in a position to hear from the Lord, that he was in a position to, to posture himself, to pause, to process that voice. We also know that he partnered with the Spirit through obedience and ultimately carrying out that Acts 1-8 mandate. Now, it's uh, agreed amongst most scholars that the time Ananias went to Saul in the house of Judas on Straight Street, that Saul had been converted to a believer in Jesus Christ. Not only does it say here in verse 11 that Saul, he is praying, but we also get from an account that when Saul was on the road to Damascus, he responded to God by calling him Lord. So through context, we can understand Saul at this moment in time, three days after his encounter on the road to Damascus, is a believer. And 
The thing that I want to drive home in this point is when we partner with the Spirit, he goes before us. When we partner with God, he goes before us. So from Ananias' perspective, right, he's still freaking out. I'm about to walk in to a situation where there's a murderer. I'm about to walk into a situation where I don't know, like, God, can I just, like, pray from him, for him from a distance? Is that okay? Is, is this going to be really that safe? And ultimately, he chooses to obey, but the Lord had gone ahead of him, and we see Saul is already praying fervently in this house of Judas. And so the Lord's gone before them. This set the stage for Ananias' obedience, and it set the stage for Ananias partnering with the Spirit. We see here not only... Did it set the stage for his obedience? But Ananias took God at his literal word. Somebody in the room, you know you've heard the voice of God. You're trying to be obedient in that step. And the next step in partnering with the Spirit is taking God at his literal word. God told him back in verse 11, verse 12, excuse me, place his hands on him to restore his sight. Ananias, I'm sure, would have loved to stroll up to the house of Judas on Straight Street and stand about 30 feet away and say, sight restored, so I can just maybe get away if I really need to, right? But we see here that he took God at his literal word. Partnering with the Spirit is walking closely with the Spirit so we can understand what he's speaking to us and be directly obedient to that. I just want to encourage you this morning. There's promise on the other side of that. There's fulfillment. There's the kingdom expansion on the other side of that. It's not going to be easy, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself this morning as well. Not only did he take God at his literal word, but he got personal. He laid his hands on Saul to receive his eyesight. Again, this wasn't something that was distant. It wasn't something that was foreign. It was something that was personal and up close. Sometimes when we partner with the Spirit, we're going to have to get personal. Remember in this situation, Ananias is most likely terrified. Ananias may have struggled with God's exact assignments, but he chose to partner anyway. Now, we also see God only commands Ananias to pray for Saul's healing in his eyesight. There was no command to pray for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Yet it happened, which brings me to the point of when we partner with God, the Spirit is active and exceeds our expectations. Back in verse 11, it says, I've told Saul that a man named Ananias is going to come and place his hands on your eyes and you're going to be restored. And what happens down here is it says he, he prayed for him not only to receive his eyesight, but then to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I think this is a really cool example of when we are entering a situation where we're being obedient, we're listening to what the Lord has spoken to us after we've postured ourselves, even if we think it's crazy, even if we think it's nuts, even if we think we don't fully understand it, fully partnering with the Lord means that direct obedience. It means listening as closely and as intently and as obeying as closely as we can possibly obey. And when we do, the Spirit exceeds our expectations. An example from my life of getting up close and personal sometimes with other people is being a middle school teacher, <laughs> okay? Seventh grade, geography. I can't tell you probably more than a couple hands just the amount of times when you see a fight happening in the hallway, you can't just be like, stop that. Knock it off, right? If these two kids are going at it, they're probably not going to stop unless somebody intervenes. And it's some people's style to call security, but... I think I'm strong or whatever, so I just kind of th throw myself in there. And oftentimes it, it required me getting up close and personal and bear-hugging the kid and pulling him off. And in our lives, we can have multiple examples of this. For some of you, getting up close and personal means confronting the parent of a kid who bullied your kid, shoved your kid down. For some of us, it's confronting a coworker 
who's been gossiping. Sometimes it's getting confrontational and having to report somebody to a superior or a superior having to fire a subordinate. I don't know what it is in your situation in your life, but oftentimes we're comfortable getting personal in some areas, but then when it comes to responding to the Holy Spirit, we all of a sudden get a little uncomfortable. We all of a sudden don't really want to get as personal. And if God is calling us into this, if he's calling us to pray for salvation, if he's calling us to pray for healing over somebody, if he's calling us to invite that friend to church, we must respond like we do respond in any other situation in our life when we're called to get personal. So I don't know how that speaks to you this morning, but I felt pressed on me to share that. My ultimate challenge this morning, not only to the awesome people sitting in this room, but to myself, is to partner with the Spirit. This allows us to fill and live a fully empowered life. I'm going to go ahead and invite you to stand this morning as the band comes and as we respond. I just want to give an opportunity for you to respond this morning. We're going to offer a space for you to reflect on the spaces that God is asking you to move in. Ask him this morning, one, how can can you move in me, God? And two, as you're moving in me, God, how can you move through me? That's the whole goal. That's the whole point of living this empowered life is that the Spirit works in us what he wants to work through us. What are the spaces the Spirit needs to work in you? Who are the people he wants to work through you to? The jobs, the situations, the schools, the decisions, the transfers. I don't know what it is. As we close our eyes this morning, as we reflect on those things, I just want to give an opportunity of response. Where do you need to let him in? Are you listening? Or are you drowning out God's voice with a million distractions? Are you intentionally not confronting his presence because you're afraid of what he might call you to? Are you disobeying? Have you heard the voice of God Yet you're disobeying, and disobeying doesn't necessarily mean walking the other direction. It can sometimes mean delaying following. Are we not partnering with the Spirit? As we respond in obedience, are we being half obedient? Maybe we're doing all three of these things, and we're still praying for breakthrough. We haven't seen God move in that situation yet. I don't know which one of these situations is you, But this morning, we're going to take a time to respond. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this moment as the band leads us in this song. Um, If you'd like prayer for a specific situation, we would love to partner with you in that. There's a prayer room right out back, these two doors in the back of the sanctuary. But I'll just encourage you. This is a time to respond. This is a time to seek God for whatever he's speaking to you in this moment. And lastly, I just want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit does call us to uncomfortability. The Holy Spirit does call us to spaces that maybe are a little foreign. But not only is it for our benefit, it's always for the benefit of those around us. So Father, this morning we come to you. We acknowledge who you are. We acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge your authority. Forgive us for the areas we've not listened. Forgive us for the areas we've been disobedient. Forgive us for the areas we've not partnered fully with your spirit. And right now, Jesus, we, we lay that down. We lay that at your feet. We just ask you, I pray for all the situations in this room this morning. 
to invade, that you would come with power, that you would come with authority in our situations. Convict us, draw us near to you. We thank you so much for your love for us, that you've never left us, you've never forsaken us, nor will you ever. We honor you in this place, God. We honor you in our lives. Would you be glorified with everything that we have? In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.